What Remains Inside Chapter 4 I was sitting on the new tuxedo couch that my mother had covered in plastic. It was gold with contemporary tapestry in orange, green, and brown. It was one of the two couches that sat across from each other in the small living room. My mother had recently redecorated the living room, putting in a brown, deep pile carpet, the couches, a lazy boy. The place was a mess, but it still had a kind of rich person, new feeling. My sister Terry was sitting next to me. I knew she felt bad for me. Tomorrow she would drive me to Providence for an abortion. I had to use her name so they would think I was 17. Otherwise, I would have to tell my parents. I don't even know Ryan's cousin Mark, Terry said. She was annoyed. I could tell she didn't think Ryan would give the money to us. We'd have to come back home and maybe ask Nana for the money. Nana would grimace and shake her head. She'd hand me the money and not even look at me. He's going to give his cousin the money, I said, somewhat defending him. My sister looked at the ground. It was just about 3.30, and we heard my mother coming up the front steps. She was in her nursing uniform. A cigarette dangled precariously as she fumbled for the door with a bag of groceries in one hand. Would somebody get off their ass and give me a fucking hand, she asked. I got up and rushed to her. I laughed a little nervously. I took the bag from her and carried it into the kitchen. Hi, Mom, I said. My mother was perceptive, especially when it had to do with my sister and me. My mother didn't like secrets, and lately she felt Terry and I were excluding her, talking about her, leaving her out. Somehow she wanted to be one of us, a teenager, but we couldn't see her like that. We couldn't enjoy her rules because it meant she could treat us however she wanted and we would just laugh along. Deep inside, we hated her. She could feel it. Terry bit her nail and looked up at me when I walked back into the living room. What's the big secret? My mother asked. She seemed vulnerable. It would have almost been easy at that moment to tell her that I was pregnant and that the next day I was going to drive to Providence and have an abortion. It would be easy to tell her about Ryan Todd. It would almost have been easy, except there was no telling what she would make me do. She might make me have a baby. She might hit me. The whole plan was mine and it was set up for tomorrow. Nothing, I said. You're such a fucking liar, she said, lighting a cigarette. She squinted her eyes and stared at me for a long time. I can always tell when you're lying. Nothing. We were just talking about tonight, about what we're going to do. Hmm, she said and left and went into the kitchen. I could hear her cracking ice from an ice tray and dumping it into a tumbler. I could hear the crack of the seal on the new bottle of brandy. The liquor gurgled out of the bottle. The fridge opened and I heard a splash of orange juice. I heard the fridge shut again. Don't tell her, I said. My sister made her eyes big. No kidding, she said. I heard a snap of a food can. My mother then walked into the room with her cocktail and a round ham patty. She took a bite of the meat and to me it seemed so carnivorous. I could hear the gristle and the saliva as she chewed. So what's going on? She asked and took a gulp of her drink. Nothing, Terry said. I'm not asking you, my mother said. Here was the start of a fight because her drink was so strong it wouldn't take long for the liquid to hit her veins. She was sitting on the arm of the couch and the plastic crinkled as she adjusted herself. What the fuck is going on? Nothing, I said and stood up. I looked her in the eye. Nothing is going on, I said again. We're just sitting here talking about what we're doing tonight. What's the big deal? 
At first, my mother flinched, as if I might hit her, as if I was the one who was hurting her. She grimaced an overdramatic grimace, as if she was so tired of my abuse. She took another sip. By now, she had drunk a third of her drink. Her eyes were glassy. She closed her eyes for a minute, and then she stood up and walked close to me. I could smell the brandy on her breath. I could see pieces of ham stuck in her teeth. She lowered her voice and looked me straight in the eye. Don't go to sleep tonight, sister, she said. Once you close your eyes, I'm going to stab you in your sleep. Terry started to stand up but stopped herself. She looked at me. I stood steely still and stared at my mother. I'm telling you, Donna, don't close your eyes tonight because I'm going to stab you in your fucking sleep. Then she put her hands out and pushed me hard. I almost fell over, but I hit the wall. I started from my bedroom. I planned on getting my clothes and walking over to Nana's. Maybe I could sleep there. When I turned my back, my mother lifted her fist and struck me on the side of the head. It wasn't hard. It was a drunk punch, so it startled me more than hurt me. At that, Terry stood up and got in the middle of us. Stop it, Mom, she yelled. My mother fell to the floor and started crying. She looked up at my sister and said, Did you see how she talked to me? Then she cried out, Why does everyone treat me like this? I ran to my bedroom and I picked up a few pieces of clothes. I carried them with me as I rushed out the front door. My sister followed me. I'm going to Nana's, I said. I have to go to the park, she said, to get the money. She looked at me. Thanks, I said. What's Ryan's phone number, she asked. Why? If his cousin isn't there, I'm going to call him. I had his number in my pocket. I had kept it with me since Kathy gave it to me. Not that I had any right to call him. I pulled it out of my pocket and handed it to Terry. My sister gave me a hug. We'll pick you up in the morning at eight, she said. She turned back and walked into the house. I kept walking the short distance to my Nana's house. The night was warm and I could hear kids laughing and playing in the neighborhood. It wasn't that long ago that I played kick the can and eat the peg with the neighborhood kids. I thought all about my neighborhood friends. I hadn't seen them in such a long time. Maybe since seventh grade. How would I stop playing with them? How had things changed so much? In contrast to ours, Nana's house was quiet, silent almost, except for her humming. Nana had grimaced when I asked her if I could sleep over. She didn't like me, but she was used to my mother's craziness. She was used to us staying there. My little brother Scott was already there. He practically lived there. When he was at home, it was just a matter of time before Terry or I would command him, go to Nana's. It was an attempt to protect him from my mother. Do you mind if I go to bed early? I asked Nana. Well, here, sleep in the spare room. I'm not going to open up the convertible couch. We're going to put Lawrence Welk on. I'd like to watch my show. That's fine, I said as Nana led me to the spare room. Now, please, Donna, don't touch the things on the sewing table. It took me a long time to get this pattern ready. Okay, I said. Okay, she said and walked out. I sat on the edge of the bed for a long time. I wondered what Ryan Todd was doing. I looked at the little alarm clock near the bed. It was 7.30. It was light out and the dusk smelled like summer, dirty, stale. It was still hot and sticky. Maybe he was at the beach with Stacy. He probably had given the money to his cousin and then went out with Stacy. 
Maybe they were at his house listening to the radio and sitting on the couch. Maybe they were talking about when they were going to get married. They were both seniors. Then it dawned on me, maybe they were having sex. Maybe he was on top of her telling her she was pretty. Maybe she was shaking and trying to catch her breath. Maybe she had her hands in his black hair touching his face. Maybe he was giving her permission to touch his face, to whisper to him, to love him. Maybe he was inside of her body and whispering, I love you. I suddenly felt cold. I couldn't breathe. I felt ashamed for thinking of the things I had thought. I got up and put my clothes on for the next day. I had purple tights, a pair of jeans, a t-shirt, and a purple sweater. I was hot, but I didn't want to remove any of the layers. I slipped on my burgundy pumps. I put my hair up in a ponytail. I carefully removed the small mirror on Nana's sewing table and sat down on the bed. I opened my pocketbook and took out my makeup. I slowly applied all of my makeup. I put the mirror back on the table and lay down on the spare bed. After a while, I picked the mirror back up and I lay back down. I held the mirror to my face. I looked for a long time at myself. Then I pretended. I pretended I was with Ryan. I pretended he was looking at me and talking to me about the abortion tomorrow. It's okay, Donna, he said. I'm scared, I whispered. It's okay, he said back to me and I started to cry. I tried to keep my crying quiet so Nana wouldn't hear. I cried for a long time into the pillow. I put the mirror down next to me. I kept it there in case I needed it. I cried for a very long time. The night grew dark. The air grew still. I cried. I must have fallen asleep for a little while, but when I woke again in the middle of the night, I started crying all over again. I turned when I heard a noise at the door. It was Nana in her housecoat. Her gray hair was down around her shoulders. She stood for a moment with a box of tissues. She looked at me from the doorway. She walked over and handed me the tissue box. She shook her head. That woman, she whispered. I held the tissue box in my hands and looked at her. She turned and walked out of the room. She closed the door gently, so quietly that it almost didn't make a sound when it finally clicked shut, the house returned to silence.